0: Okay, I've decided that January didn't count and February is now the official first month of the new year. So happy new year, everyone. Uh, I'm saying this because yesterday, February 1st, I finally started on my new year's resolutions and like all the projects I wanted to do. So there you go. January was just a freebie from me to you. Uh thank you everyone for checking out another episode of our podcast. Emily and I super appreciate it. And I I swear to you, I will get one thing on the TikTok this month. Cuz you know, new year, new me. <laughs> Enjoy the episode, you guys. Thanks for listening. Take it away, theme song. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of My Sister Made Me View at Words of Radiance. As Emily and I are blasting through this book to get to White Spine Uncaged in time to record for Dragonsteel Con. (laughs) My name is Megan, and I should get back to cleaning the house so I can invite friends over from Dragonsteel
1: Con. (laughs) My name is Emily, and I should get back to convalescing. What'd you do? I threw my back out. It has been... A supreme annoyance. Baby got back? No! (laughs) Well, instead... Instead... We're making a podcast! We're making a
0: podcast! Hi, everyone. Welcome to another uh, episode covering the words of Radiance in which Emily... Finally gets to hate Moash for an actual reason and not because she just judged him. In which harshly. Emily was
1: proven absolutely supremely correct. In which
0: Emily was definitely wrong <laughs> up until this exact moment, and then she became <laughs> no. retroactively correct. You can't see the future. You're what? not a void bringer. <laughs> but I did. All right, so this week we are uh, covering four chapters. 44, One Form of Justice. 45, Middlefest; 46, Patriots. And
1: 47, Feminine Wilds. Mm -hmm. Emily, at first brush, what did you think of these chapters? I was... I love them. They were so long, though. Like, it took me a while to get through them. I don't know why it took me so long. Yeah, I don't um, know either. It was only 70 pages. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we're, we're making some chunky episodes <laughs> to get to uh, our, hopefully, our, our Dragonsteel coverage. If not, then you're just going to have to cover the episode before White Spine and Gage. It'll be fine. No one's coming to our recording anyway.
1: Why is that, Megan? <sighs>
0: Because we're a sleeper
1: hit. <laughs> Next year they'll be here in droves. There we go. You didn't answer my question. I asked you a question. What did you oh. think of these chapters? <laughs> okay.
0: They were reverse
1: Bruno. You know. <laughs> My back seizes up. I'm in big trouble. (laughs) It was... They were so exciting. Like, we were really getting to, like, the intrigue and, Mm like, the... I do love a good intrigue. (laughs) It felt like we were getting into, like, a spy movie. Because we have Shalon who is running, like... They're not cons, but she's running, like, four or five different plays. Scenes. Yeah. Plates. Yeah. She's got... She's got a lot of plates in the air. And Kaladin soon has a lot of plates in the air because... Stupid Malash. And I think those are the only two points of view we had, actually, with Shalon and Kaladin. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot is, like, there's a lot happening, and I can feel that we're getting to more action-y, but this was a lot of really entertaining setup. Like, a lot yeah. of times it's just like, okay, this is a setup. Come on, come on, come on, let's get to the good stuff. But, like, this is so fascinating and super entertaining and just, like, so enjoyable to read. Predictions corner at the end of this episode is going to be tight. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, Emily, mm-hmm.
0: congratulations. You are halfway through Words of Radiance. Oh,
1: it's so good. Listen, I loved Way of Kings. Uh-huh. I loved it. This one might be my favorite out of the two books. I feel like this is a lot of people's favorite book. Mm-hmm.
0: And like I've said, the first book is my favorite of the book this one has my favorite moments and scenes. Mm-hmm. Third book has my favorite Branderlange. And fourth one made me cry the most. Oh, no. I'm afraid for book five. <laughs> I, like, I don't even know. I don't even know. We start with chapter 44, One Form
1: of Justice. Emily, can you read me the paragraph epigraph? But as for the bondsmiths, they had members only three, which number was not uncommon for them, nor did they seek to increase this by great bounds. For during the times of Madasa, only one of their order was in continual accompaniment of Uruthiru and its thrones. Their spread was understood to be specific and to persuade them to grow to the magnitude of the other orders was seen as seditious. Sorry, I'm going to redo that last line. Their spread was understood to be specific, and to persuade them to grow to the magnitude of the other orders was seen as seditious. From Words of Radiance, chapter 16, page 14.
0: Okay, I want to talk about bondsmiths a okay.
1: little bit. Okay, so
0: remember Dalinar's vision of the recreants? Mm-hmm. Um, he saw. The
1: recreants? No. <laughs> I'm just teasing you because we don't know how to say things. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not that, though. <laughs> like, for
0: sure, he's no. <laughs> Um, Kaladin saw, sorry, Dalinar in his vision saw two orders of knights radiant abandon their swords, and mm-hmm. there were uh, maybe hundreds there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, those two orders have tons and tons of radiance following them. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was the Windrunners and the. Maybe the Stone Wardens? Maybe. don't tell me. I don't care. Who was it? (laughs) Readers, I need you to go through and listen to our entire podcast. Uh, Don't look it up in the book. I'm sure the book doesn't tell you. Listen to our whole backlog again. There you go. But there were hundreds and hundreds. But apparently there can only be three bombsmiths at a time. Okay. And if you try to say there should be more, it's seen as seditious. Hey, what does seditious mean? It's bad.
1: (laughs) Okay. It's, it's, all I can think of is like, yes, I know, I was getting to that, like the Civil War, is splitting apart, and Lisa, you're tearing me apart. It's, Mm -hmm. it's bad. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like the
0: opposite of unite them. It kind of is. Do you have any guesses as to what kind of spren a bondsmith would do?
1: Have? No, I thought that they might be in charge of the actual like bonding with the spren like would send the spren to bond with specific people like they were the ones in charge of doing mm-hmm. that but um maybe okay, this might sound a little weird but like love spren to like like bond you to your your calling or I love something. That. Thank you. That's nice. Thank you. I hope it's nice. I hope it's That's not something nice. like captivity spren or something. Which
0: Axis the Collector believes is a myth. Yes. Hey,
1: I want to talk about Axis the Collector for a second. <laughs> okay.
0: Because I had a brain flash in relation to Risen. Mm-hmm. So when we first see Axis the Collector and he's in that alleyway and he talks to the strange man he found in the alleyway, he's like, oh, this guy's nice. I'm going to move on before my curse of kind affects him negatively. Okay. And I'm wondering if. <gasps> The curse of kind oh. had anything to do
1: with Risen's bad luck of falling. The rope snappy. Yeah. Seems like that would kinda of came out of nowhere, quote unquote nowhere, yeah. you know. Um anyway, keep an eye out for it. I've I've never connected That's that so before. Cool, Thank Megan. you. And I read I
0: re-listened <laughs> to our whole backlog this week because I've been looking for funny clips of us for no particular reason. Oh, no. Uh, everyone, I'd like to wish you all a happy Destiel
1: Day. Uh, yes, we have to put our thing out. We caught it live as it happened. I'll do it next year. Okay. Anyway, if you That's listen all to That's we did our... last year. We've been
0: recording for two, two years, years today. today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Whoa, I just got lightheaded. Happy anniversary. Happy
0: anniversary. My lands. Anyway, let's talk about the actual book now. All right. Kaladin's back at the training grounds,
1: and he's looking at the fashion. Yeah. It was funny to me because he's starting to notice it more. When before he was a... I don't think he really, like, noticed it as a kid when we were doing flashbacks mm-hmm. of him. I don't think it was really a thing in the army only to be like, oh, they're wearing green, they're wearing blue, to like, you know, say, oh, they're in Sadieus's army, oh these are in Dalinar's army. And here he's he's seen the differences of, you know, the type of ornaments on them, gemstones, colorful scarves were growing popular. Like he's he's got an eye for fashion. <laughs> um but it's interesting that he only
0: sees it as a way for them to divide themselves from him Mm -hmm. um where to these light eyes it would be a way i would think for them to distinguish themselves just from each other in general Mm -hmm. uh and it reminds me of we had
1: school uniforms at didn't
0: we we did yeah we didn't have to wear them every day though did we
1: no like if you wanted to wear shorts you had to wear the specific school shorts got it but you could wear whatever pants you wanted but i mean they had yeah. School uniform pants, too. Anyway, but. I've
0: seen on TV characters who wear school uniforms, like, personalize them with pieces of flair or scarves, like he's talking about. This is my flair. <laughs> we get
1: one piece of flair on Tuesdays.
0: Um, and in Bones, the TV show, uh, everyone wears the same lab coats, but Angela bedazzles her lab coats. Very cute. So, I I think, again, this is Brandon giving us uh, world descriptions of specifically point of view from one person and also i i think Kaladin doesn't quite realize how important fashion is to the light eyes yeah and how much they still want to be fashionable and so these uniforms
1: she's your cat yeah that's my paper (laughs) (laughs) megan brought me a present back from disneyland and it was the most beautiful cup i've ever seen oh yes i saw it and thought of you and they wrapped it up so nicely, and her cats love this tissue paper, as you can hear.
0: What do you think? Should we just let it be on the podcast no, as color? No, no. <laughs> but that might go
1: on for a while.
0: Livy, are you stuck? Oh, no. Nope. Maybe you could take it upstairs. She could still play with it. I am sick of going up and down <laughs> the stairs. Anyway, these uniforms specifically are now becoming a part of fashion trends. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I liked what you said about Kaladin kind of seeing it like as one more way for him to be divided from everyone else. Because he's back on the training grounds. He and his dark-eyed cohorts. And he's... I don't think he's imagining the looks from other people. Livvy. She's leaving. I don't think he's imagining the looks from other people yeah. still saying... Because sometimes when you're in a situation where you're like, they must be thinking this about me. I think... They are absolutely thinking this about Kaladin, as in, what are you doing here? Like, you do not belong here. (laughs) 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 Elizabeth.
0: Obviously, I think it's great podcasting content.
1: (laughs) Renard's with them, and he asks if he could please be excused from bridge training, or what is it, uh relieved from duty so he can go train as a in his shard plate and everything which which I think is so cute and adorable. But he's like I And I'm it's not... a big duty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I say like oh Renarin he's so sweetie like he's an adult. I just mean like I love his eagerness and his youthfulness and his just like passion for whatever he's been put in charge of.
0: Your heart is warmed to see Renarin enjoying something for a yes! change. Yes. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> Zahel is back? I was going to say so that!
2: So you sorry. didn't wait for me to come back!
1: <laughs> I was going to say it's first day of school for Bridge
0: Four. Yes, I love that. And, because Kaladin asked him during the interludes mm-hmm. if he <laughs> <laughs> trained him to do swordsy stuff. Uh-huh. And he's brought along a couple
1: pals. <laughs> he didn't ask. And I don't think Zahel is Annoyed, per se. But I think he's kind of like... Ugh. Yeah. I didn't sign up for this either. I think he... I love that he tests Kaladin the same way as he tests and Elidice. By just asking him to... Or telling him to do something. And seeing if Kaladin will obey them. And he tells Kaladin to take him and his men outside and run 40 laps around the thing. So and many laps. So many laps. And Kaladin immediately is like, okay, let's go. And Zahel's like, no, no, no. I just... I wanted to see if you were going to do what I said. And I like that he's training him the same way as he would a light eyes.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: That he was testing Renarin's obedience that first day, too. Okay, so Zahel uses an idiom from Nalthus, Mm -hmm. his his home planet. (laughs) Sound like an alien. And he says, boy, you've got red on your ears like I've never seen. And that means you're spoiling for a fight. It means you're angry at everything and everyone can you blame us moash asked no. and that is gonna be the theme of this episode can we blame moash yes for his anger no
1: that was easy conversation <laughs> done it was the modifier you put on the end they're okay <laughs> me. can we blame moash yes for his anger probably not then what
0: do you blame him for everything life
1: (laughs) he didn't create stupid decisions (laughs) that were driven by
2: (laughs) was it
1: i was right and that's all that we need to know i think it's not a spoiler to say we're gonna talk about moash (laughs) a lot a lot
0: a lot a lot and how right (laughs) emily was with a lot of things how right emily finally is this (laughs) chapter Listen. Don't burn up all your Moash okay, hate in sorry. one go.
1: Sorry, it's hard not to. This is gonna be a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean refill. <clears throat> <laughs> so Renarin is still getting trained in shard plate, but Zahel has instructed him to go eat lunch in his shard plate. And it's very awkward because he's like this hulking giant statue of a dude trying to like deal with like the politeness of like table manners and everything and Kaladin immediately is like oh you're teaching him to be delicate with his newfound strength like like you can just go and kind of go berserker mode and you can do a lot of damage I think with you know in this shard plate and stuff but I think a true master like we talked about um, a true a mark of a true master swordsman is what Adolin did at the last duel where it just looked like he won by sheer luck but it was him actually like controlling everything very tightly Mm -hmm. and I love that Zahel is teaching Renarin this lesson just with table manners. Like, it's really cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, our
1: bridgemen get to use they a They get shard to blade. use a shard blade like, right away first thing. It's not like, here, use a, pre- a pretend sword. Here, do this. It's just like they bring it out, and the men are so starstruck. Their eyes followed the blade
0: as they'd follow a gorgeous woman taking off her gloves. <laughs> I
1: loved that line.
0: How racy. <laughs> <laughs> Scandalous. Uh, and then the tempt reaches for it. And Moash is like, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: want to do it first.
0: Uh, you'll cut off your own storming arm if you act like a fool. I'm no fool, Mohash <laughs> said. He gets a glory spread. Yeah. Like just by holding the sword. And this reminds me a lot of Elokar winning the race. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not glorious to just get to touch a shard blade, but they are driven to the feeling of a thing rather than an actual thing.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that I—I I think the reason that the glory spread showed up is that, I mean, this is the stuff of legend. The legendary stuff of legend is this short shard blade. <laughs> I almost said storm blade, where. I mean, this is stuff that their history has been written about, you know. And all of a sudden, it's something that they never should have been near in the first place. And now they just get to hold it. And I, I can only imagine, like, Moash's imagining glory for himself, you know. Because, like, at this point, he says, uh, Zahel's like, this is just a tool. Like, it's valuable one, but just remember it's a tool. But Yake pipes up. He says, it's more than a tool. I'm sorry, but it just is. I might believe that about a regular sword, but this this is art. And Zahel is kind of annoyed. And and it's later revealed that he's just like, anyone should be able to use this. Like it's Anyone can cook. Yes. <laughs> not like it's not fair that they can't use it. It's just like, you guys are being so stupid about this. Not letting, you know Because you think about Kaladin as a mm-hmm. dark eyes who mm-hmm. is a master with the spear, Mm -hmm. there's got to be someone out there, a dark eye somewhere, who, if they got a shard blade in their hand, could just wipe the map, you know? Maybe it's Moesh. It better not be.
0: Yeah, it reminds me, I'm thinking again of Amaram taking the sword from Kaladin because he's like, oh, it would be useful, more useful in the hands of someone who's trained.
1: Oh, I don't know where where they say it in this. But in this reading, they talk about the dark eyes who one shard blades, like their names have been like memorialized. Yeah. Like people know their names. And I'm like, that should have been Kaladin. Like, yeah. Yes.
0: hmm I want to point out though that when Zahel puts the shard blade in the ground, Syl stops. And she turns. She was studying, um Zahel was playing with some colored rocks and throwing them in a circle. And Sill stops and she looks at them. And when Zahel's like, Alright, let's uh Kaladin, are you going to take a turn? And Syl looks at Kaladin really sharply. And he says, do you know what? I'll pass unless you demand that I do it. He's mm-hmm. like, you're not curious at all how it feels? These things have killed too many of my friends. I'd rather not have to touch it if it's all the same to you.
1: Hmm. Odd. And But Syl thanks him afterwards. And she said something about that. She was relieved when Dalinar gave up his... To Sadius, So I'm nervous about this. I'm pre-worried about this. We'll see.
0: Uh, I want to talk about Kaladin being an edgelord. <laughs> literally. Right. Let's go. Because they're practicing the sword stances. And Zahel's like, I'm going to get the guard. And Kaladin's like,
1: no. Swing it at me. I need to be afraid. <laughs> it's like, okay, buddy. Because he's he realizes he's he's already, like, stared down someone with the Stormblade, and he needs to not, like, go back to safety. Like, he realizes this is life or death. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't flash back to fighting Zeth. No. He flashes back to Dalit dying. hmm Even Dalit. <laughs> Who's only four foot tall, and so Kaladin's only five foot tall. <laughs> Which makes
0: everyone else on Roshar under four foot. Because... <laughs> so by comparison... <laughs> Kaladin is six Roshar feet tall. I actually have something interesting about that. I'm ready. So Brandon talks that the gravity on Roshar is actually different on other planets. Okay. uh, Especially compared to to Earth. Mm -hmm. And that's why creatures get to grow to such a huge size. Is something that Gray always yells about on anamorphology is like, Creatures can't be that big. They'd they'd crush themselves under their own weight. Yeah. But because Roshar has slightly less gravity than Earth. That's cool. Bridgman can grow to colossal size.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a specimen. (laughs) (sighs) But anyway,
0: they're here to learn the sword stances. Mm -hmm. And as he's dodging, as he's spinning... Just like in Tangled, <laughs> during the end of the dance sequence, he spins and comes face to face with whom? Our food! <laughs> Dang it, I have to go get it. I'm so... Peter, I cannot get up these
1: <laughs> steps. So I can't do it, Peter. Well, I was going to say, he Don't is... record without me! Hurry <laughs> up! <aunt! laughs>
0: okay, so Emily pointed out to me as we are eating our food that He's not dodging and spinning when he comes face-to-face with Adolin. He's but just going to get a drink of water.
1: Cinematically. Yeah. When he comes face-to-face with Shallan. What? No. Yeah,
0: he sees her. He spun and came face-to-face with Adolin Colin. Okay, I what? was right. Where, Where are, are you? Time? Where are you? It's the first time Zahel. Okay, so I guess this is after Shallan shows up. Okay, thank the you. Second... <laughs> okay. Wait, no! 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 The she was still okay. Listen, <laughs> Kaladin's being an edge lord and is like, Hit me! I want you to hit me! And Syl is zipping around him. Uh, Zahel falls into a dueling stance and he is swinging again. Kaladin has to jump and dodge. He dodged again, then reacted to a shadow 18 from the corner of his eye. Just like entangled when they're dancing. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you were right.
1: I was less right. <sighs>
0: <sighs> anyway,
1: but uh, Emily, these two lads have an
0: understanding now.
1: Yeah, I I enjoyed that they because they're not the type that would sit down and like talk about not talk about their feelings. That that that's not what I'm trying to say. But the way that they look at each other, like as soldiers and as not equals, but on the same side, where um, they were just like uh the implication, cause like Adolin kinda gives them the the guy nod, you know? And the implication was simple. The assassin in White had bested both of them. There was nothing to mock in preparing to fight him again. Doesn't mean he's not spoiled. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh so everyone is going to take turns facing town shardblade.
1: And who does Zahel leave in charge? A tis
0: Ivis, and even though she wears the same robes as everyone and the shaved head, she still
1: wears a modesty glove over her mm-hmm. safe hand. A woman with a sword, an odd sight. Of course, was it any odder than dark-eyed men holding a shard blade? Mm. Mm. I loved that the men kind of okay. So Shalon shows up, and it's. A woman on the on the training. field, yeah, training grounds is not unheard of, but it's not really done. But she's a light eyed, so like she kind of is has a right to be there. Mm-hmm. But who is it? Um, Teft. Let's see. Teft is just says, "You think we have to worry about her, foreign woman about whom we know very little, sent in suddenly to be Adolin's betrothed? Sure would make a good assassin." And Vatha asked her the same thing: "Are you here to kill the king?" Mm-hmm. But yeah.
0: What if she does? What if she does? What if she does? (gasps) You said something when you were reading. Emily, I would like you to share a theory with the class. Who do you think is most likely to kill Elokar?
1: Okay, so we're going to get into this a little later where there is some valid, completely valid, super valid... And you still hate Extremely valid reasons why Elokar should not be in charge Mm -hmm. of the kingdom... And I was thinking of the scene where Dalinar puts him, puts Elokar through the table and like puts him in his place. Puts him in his place. That if anyone, uh, I don't think Dalinar would kill Elokar, mm-hmm. but if anyone were going to, I think like cinematically or like, yeah. you know. And, and I, I
0: like that theory because the whole first book is suspecting Dalinar of doing it, Dalinar mm-hmm. saying, I would never, I would never, I would never. Mm-hmm. In what circumstance would he ever?
1: I think if, I don't want to say if Ella Carr went crazy because I think, <laughs> please, <laughs> please, Pa, not oh, Yeller Carr, <laughs> it was something like that he could be like hospitalized and cared for like they wouldn't put him out of like Delanor wouldn't put him out of his like legit (laughs) I'm saying if Elokar gets enough taste of his own power to become a real problem right now he's manageable and malleable that he's not ruling he's being handled he's a puppet Yeah. yeah But who's the real power behind the throne? It's I would
0: say right now it's Dallin. Yeah. Yeah. He's got all the authority. He's the one I'm sorry I have a French fry in my <laughs> mouth. He's the one who's putting out proclamations and putting demands on all the high princes. Like Elkar does not have a lot of real authority.
1: No, no, he doesn't. Anyways, I'm excited to talk about that when we get there. I'm sorry for jumping the gun, but No. <laughs> there's a there's a paragraph I
0: wanna I wanna point out. As Shallan arrives. And it's Kaladin thinking about the boots. He didn't bear a grudge about the incident with the boots. It simply typified how to a light eyes, men like Kaladin were playthings. Mm -hmm. You toyed with dark eyes, took what you needed from them, and gave no thought to having left them far worse from the interaction. Yeah. And I know the boots thing is supposed to be funny. And I think we talked about it in the scene that because it happens to Kaladin... Who like we know we real? It's funny because it happens to Kaladin.
1: Mm-hmm. But could
0: you imagine if she stole like Teff's boots, yeah, or Drahey's boots, mm-hmm. or
1: I don't know them all by name yet. I will try. I will Sorry. try.
0: Drahey's the Apprentice Armor.
1: I thought that was Leighton. Leighton's the Apprentice armorer. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay. Okay. What if she she took boots? Sense. Yeah. Yeah. That would be horrible.
0: Right. And and so again, this is we know Kaladin, and we know it's fine that that happened, and funny actually because it takes our very noble protagonist and knocks him down a few pegs. Mm-hmm. But Shalon had no way of knowing she was taking the protagonist's boots, <laughs> yeah. and it was like <laughs> it was a dick move to take <laughs> yeah. that random guy's boots. Yeah, um, even if
1: it was to stay in character or whatever. But yeah. yeah, I completely agree.
0: And that she just she just doesn't think of it. Yeah. Again, it's not her fault, and hopefully she figures more stuff out on mm-hmm. the way. But yeah, it was how Rishon had been. It was how Sadius was. It was how this woman was. Mm-hmm. She wasn't evil, really. She just didn't care. Where did all these pillows come from? Why are there three? Whose are these? I don't know. They're just down here. There's so many pillows.
1: <laughs> They're like Griffin McElroy right now. <laughs> Did you think that that was funny, Griffin? You're the listener
0: who listens to our podcast, definitely. (laughs) Hey, Griffin. Hi. This message is only for Griffin McElroy. (laughs) Everybody Everybody just just skip forward 30 seconds. Griffin, I'm re-listening to Taz Balance right now because I'm re-listening to everything leading up to uh, Steeplechase. And Griffin, I just hit the finale of Petals to the Metal. And when the music comes in and the Petals to the Metal finale, it's so simple, but it's so good. Griffin, your music's so good. Wonderland Round 3 makes me feel like I could face
1: down a shard bearer with nothing. Anyway, <laughs> okay, everyone, we're back now. Good job. I, so I love this next thing that happens because Adeline's like, oh, she's here to see me. And uh, this <laughs> happens. All the time, <laughs> and it's kind of annoying, really. But uh, I'm just that kind of guy. So handsome. So handsome. And Shallan goes right past him to talk to the artist. Does of the not of the even grounds. talk to him because she's here. We are. It's revealed that she wants to do more research, sort of thing. She wants to sketch the shard bearers because the official sketches that are kind of like in the archives are just they're old they're not really well done they're they're more like hurried sketches and so the artist she goes and asks permission like i i liked this if she had just barged in and just said i'm doing this i would have been super annoyed with her but she goes through all the proper channels Uh and adeline's just like oh because she when he finally gets up there she's like oh i didn't even see you and she explains what she's doing, and Adeline's like, oh, I could pose for you. She goes, oh, no, 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 no. We already have enough of yours. Like, yeah. just... <laughs> Why do they have so much of, of his
0: mom. The sketches of your plate, thanks to your mother. Mm-hmm.
1: Hey. So she knows about the mom. So Adeline, because I wondered if... if- for whatever reason, maybe Adolin and Renarin hadn't remembered her. I they don't do remember. I, they yeah. mentioned her. Yeah, that's why I was saying. I don't know why I thought that, but... Because
0: yeah. every time he duels, Adelin has his mother's chain in his pocket.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, oh that's not going to be great when Dalinar Let reveals... Really break the chain. <laughs> when Dalinar reveals what, Emily? That he doesn't remember okay. his wife. Okay. Because as far as I know, Renarin and Adolin don't know that he, their dad has doesn't remember yeah i think has he told navani i
0: don't he think told, so has he just told
1: us right. he's just <laughs>
0: told us
1: um. um but um adolin doesn't believe that Shalon's really there to sketch he accuses her straight up of this being a ruse to come and watch him and they they just like i okay i love this i love this line i'm gonna read it really fast uh you're here because you want to watch me spar admit it the sketching is a ruse Hmm, someone has a high opinion of himself. Comes with being royalty, I suppose. Like funny hats and a fondness for beheadings. And then she immediately goes to Kaladin and tells him, Hey, your boots are on the way back and I re- I, I fixed, fixed them. Oh, I loved that. I want these all... Okay, so we talked about the guest a little bit. Uh-huh. And we have three main characters that met as kids. And somehow they uh, meet again as adults, but they don't know each other. And mm-hmm. it takes several episodes for all the pieces to fall into place and them to realize who each other are. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of feeling that way about this, right? I want, like, we're getting scenes with our main characters and I want them to, like... You want them to like each other. I want them to like each other. I want to do a five-man band and, like, uh-huh. have them be a thing. and five Adolin... like a band with three people. No, I'm talking... Okay. Of... <laughs> we're building the five-man yeah. band. We've got Adolin, Renarin, Kaladin, you know, Shallan... Delinar, whoever else we're bringing into this.
0: Also, poor Adolin is like, oh, my girlfriend's here to talk to me and watch me. And she's like, hey, Kaladin, I have your boots that I was wearing. And Adolin's like, what? When did that happen? (laughs) What? (laughs) Wearing what what way? (laughs) Uh, Also, here's a point of data for
1: the chart you're making us: how tall everyone is. How tall is Shallan? She's only 5'6". But Uh what is that in, uh, what is that in Alethi height? I'm gonna,
0: uh, she says, I thought it was tall until I came here, and all of you Alethi are freakishly tall. Yes, they are. So, that means Kaladin confirmed freak. (laughs) (laughs) And his shoes are way too big. (laughs) You know what they say about men with large feet? (laughs) What? Big boots. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Ugh. I I love this because as she leaves, like she just like abruptly like ends the conversation because she's so excited about doing the sketching thing. And Adeline's like, she ignored me completely. <gasps> like, I'm, not like I'm in love, but you can tell like this is a new thing for him. And I was really kind of hoping this was the case because he talks about like how hard it's been to keep a girl and how he's kind of like, Maybe with this, like, official betrothal, like, it'll make it a little easier because, you know, I don't have to do all the work about it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the idea that she isn't, like, intimidated or awed by him is new for him. And I love it!
0: Uh, Splash of cold water. Literally, Moash comes over to take a drink. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's released from training because he doesn't flinch. When the shard blade comes for him, he doesn't flinch. Yeah. And I wonder if that's practice i don't think um i think it's i think it's stubbornness okay (laughs) um and also maybe a metaphor
1: (laughs) whatever uh emily oh um what happens in next what do we find out about moash's backstory Hmm, does it align with hmm, maybe what i said last episode Hmm? it was the king moash said he had my family executed did i not say they had something that the king wanted you did say that but it. Okay, you
0: said you spun a tale that ended with Moash's family
1: dying. We don't know the tale. Well, we do. We we know the tale for the same. But yeah, yeah. he tells them. He tells them what happens is that that Elokar was stupid mm-hmm. because Elokar is stupid. Listen to me, listeners. I hate I hate Elokar. I hate. Okay, here's the thing. I hate the way he was raised. I hate that people let him get away with this for so long. I hate that. Oh, so it's not Elokar's fault. It listen. It is. He made choices, but I, I also feel he's a product of his upbringing, and this is a really a really weird line. Like he's not completely at fault, but I feel like he's not also completely to blame. But I'm I'm angry because I want him to take more charge of his destiny, which is just a personal preference.
0: He's a product of his upbringing, mm-hmm. and this wouldn't be a problem except. He has a huge amount of power that he's irresponsible with. Yeah. And, it—it, you know, we're going back to can a spear be blamed for killing? Can a sword be blamed for killing? Can your inaction causing someone's death, is that the same as killing someone? But, Mm -hmm. like, honestly, Moash points it out. And to, like, summarize real fast, Moash's um, grandparents ran a silversmith shop. And this one light Eyes, so we don't catch the name, but a light-eyed man owned a couple other silversmith shops that were rivals, so he had Moash's grandparents dragged before Elokar on a trumped-up charge, and Elokar sent the 75-year-old couple to prison where they died waiting for trial. Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't even tried and sentenced. They were just sent to prison and left to die, and Moash wasn't home because he worked caravans growing up, mm-hmm. which... A couple chapters ago, you brought up, oh my gosh, I never thought about kids who grew up in caravans, and I'm like, my Aww, gosh, grew up
2: in a caravan. Caribbean Caribbean.
0: So, Elokar knew they'd die in there. That way the hearing would never go before the magistrates exposing his corruption. That bastard killed them, murdered them to keep his secret. I came home from my trip with the caravan to an empty house, and the neighbors told me my family was already two months dead. Mm-hmm. So now Moash is trying to assassinate King
1: Elohim. Which he, like, reveals. like Well, Kaladin well, guesses. Kaladin guesses, and Moash, like, freezes during the headlights for a second. I couldn't believe it was Moash. Like, all the... I thought that that was a red herring. I thought that Moash... Because you loved him so much, I was like, oh, I gotta give this guy a chance, whatever. I thought that Moash was a red herring for whoever was trying to kill the king. No, it literally was Moash. It
0: literally was Moash. Blah.
1: I cannot be trusted. <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> But, uh, Cal, like, tries
0: to, tries to, they try to talk through it, and Moesh is like, obviously not here, Kaladin. Yeah. The man with the worst poker face (laughs) in all of Roshar. Well, I love his semantics about this. What else am I supposed to do? Mm Mm-hmm. What kind of justice can a man like me get on a king, Kaladin? Tell me. Justice! You love justice! I love justice! And you love betrayal! And this, this This is is both of them together. So here's the thing. You would say that Kaladin would be in the right to just go kill Sadius. Mm-hmm. Same for, you know, Adel and Dalinar. So many people would just be in the right to go and kill Sadius for the personal wrongs he's done against them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Elokar did the deed that killed Moash's family. Mm-hmm. If if Rashon had just thrown Kaladin's parents in jail mm-hmm. and Kaladin's parents had died in jail, would you feel Kaladin had the right to kill Rashon?
1: okay. Maybe this isn't the answer you're looking for. I would say what I would want is no. What I want is the corruption to be exposed. Mm -hmm. And I want a big emotional humiliation takedown. See, I feel like
0: when we were talking about
1: this at the end of book one, you just wanted Sadius dead. Yes. (laughs) So it's a case-to-case basis. Yeah. No, okay. I also said I wanted Sadius dragged to jail in chains. I want... I don't, okay, this says so much about me. If my therapist is listening to this, maybe we should talk about this. Hey, Emily's therapist? (laughs) Do you listen to our podcast? Write in. Tell us. I feel that people should be held accountable for their mistakes. And something this large that, like, okay, people make mistakes. I totally get that. But when it's, like, out of greed or out of, you know, self-importance, if you are going to be... Listen, it's also obviously election time, and I hate talking politics, and I hate talking about the different parties and blah, blah, blah. If you're going to be in a position of power, your job is to protect those underneath you. And it is so despicable to me when people take a role like that just so they can get ahead, not so that they can truly help the people underneath them. mm mm-hmm. And so the idea that... Elokar is doing all of these things and getting away with it and making the kingdom's lives so miserable. Like, that is terrible. And they can't unite Alethkar with Elokar on the throne. They can't do it. And uh, the thing
0: is that this happened the year before Seth assassinated Gavilar. So he was, like, still he a was prince. He was the prince. He wasn't even king yet. Wow. And so this wasn't even misusing his powers as a king. This was just like, oh, I'm buddies with the, you know, whatever light hold eyes that own the silver me, yeah. shops. Yeah,
1: hold will do a favor for me. Okay. I, I am not trying to excuse Elokar in this mm-hmm. at all. I am not an Elokar apologist at all. We know this. I wonder what kind of story he was told. Like... I hate saying this to Moash, but, like... There are two sides. There are two sides to the story, which is so infuriating. We want it to just be black and white. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because now, all of a sudden, we've got this going on, and Kaladin being like, I have to tell Dalinar, and Moash is like, you're going to betray Bridge for, like, what mm-hmm. we have. And Kaladin's like, no! Like, ugh! The thing is, since this was seven years ago,
0: that I means Moash was probably only 12 or 13 when this oh. happened. So he's been holding on to this. It's not like... Look at me—a burly twenty-five-year-old, you know, an adult in my own right. But Moash has already lost his parents at a young age, mm-hmm. and this happened when he was a young teenager. I'm not sure how close he is to Kaladin's age. He may be a couple years older, so maybe he was fifteen or sixteen at the yeah. time. But this happened when Moash was a teenager, and so this resentment has been building, building, and, and building, grown, yeah. and building this whole mm-hmm. time. And okay. You guys, now that we've gotten to
1: this point where it's okay for Emily to hate Moash, (laughs) I'm pulling back a little bit. I was trying to misdirect you pretty hard. You did a pretty good job because I was really trying, but I just, there was something about him. No, there wasn't! There was! Go back and listen to this again! There was! Okay, although,
0: listen, I said I'm going to pull back. I do still really like Moash. He's very interesting. I want to put him in a box and, like,
1: shake him! (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> just... Yeah, uh, but we'll we'll definitely
1: talk about him more in this book. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing: like, he's fully admitted he's trying to kill the king, and and Kaladin asks him to, like, hold off until Kaladin goes to meet these people that Count Kal- that Moash wants to introduce him to, and he's like, "Will you please not do anything else to the king until we like figure this out?" And he promises on his grandparents' honor, mm-hmm. and that I believe, like, I completely believe that you know he will he will hold to that.
0: I think. That Syl heard the word honor. And that's what brought her over. Because Syl is... Her eyes are wide. Her hands are in fists. And she says, what did you just do? And she says that she felt something. Something not
1: good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's that about? I don't know. She says, this is dangerous. We should go to Dalinar. And Kaladin says, I promised Moash. Like... He's, like, yes, he 100% should go to Dalinar.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But with all the history with, I mean, uh Brandon, why, how do you do this? How do you do this so well? Because, yes, he should go to Dalinar. Yes, Kaladin's, you know, Kaladin's job is to protect Dalinar, technically. Even though they do protect the king, his his loyalty is to Dalinar. Dalinar. For it. So
0: Kaladin has a little bit of an existential crisis right here. Mm-hmm. Um, he starts talking about the dark eyed men who'd won blades. And as he's thinking about these men who are now known in legend and revered, he's like, but we're still not allowed to train with the sword to prepare. Again, I'm thinking of the reaction of Amorim just taking the blade away from a dark eyed man. Yeah. But what is the point of the church and being told to improve yourself and your calling if Society is like, oh, but not too much. So, Mm -hmm. better yourself with a calling in life, but don't get too ambitious or we'll lock you away. Don't get revenge upon the king for ordering the death of your grandparents, but do get revenge on the Parshendi for ordering the death of someone you never
1: met. Mm -hmm. We're just unwrapped. Like, like Brandon Sanderson did such a good job at starting us at like a 30,000 foot view of like, Here's the war camps. Here's the bridges. Here's what we do. Here's what we run. And now we're like closer into the inner circle and we're getting into the minutiae and we're getting into the, you know, well, but what about this? And it is so fascinating to read. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And so uh, he's like, so you're an honor spread. Can you tell me what to do?
0: Can you tell me the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, definitely. But he starts asking her questions and still starts to doubt as well because they bring up is it right to kill the Parshendi? And mm-hmm. she's like, well, but you said you wouldn't do that anymore. And he's like, is it right to kill Amaram? And we're we're having the central character struggle with the central question of the series. When is it right to kill,
1: if ever? Mm-hmm. And, but here's, can I, can yep. I point something yep. out? So, let's see, because he asks these questions. You're supposed to protect Kaladin, not kill. And I'm afraid that remember what happened when he tried to attack Adolin. Yeah. For his own, you know, fulfillment or whatever. Oh, vengeance! Well, vengeance. A yeah, and and so I don't know who decides what is vengeful and what's personal and what's honorable, whatever. Like, I'm just intrigued to see what I'm intrigued to see how Kaladin will be supported through this, and like if it's going to be. A big, huge, you know, I i can kill him and he loses all of his powers mm-hmm. at whatever point, so. Is it wrong for Moash to try and kill the king? Of course. Why? Because
0: killing is wrong. And the Parshendi that I killed? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be great if, yeah, we could live in a world where we didn't have to kill anyone, but our society is about war. The Alethi society yeah, is about war. We're in the middle of a war. Anyway. <laughs> After this deep conversation, <laughs> Kaladin decides to distract himself with some more practice, and um, the Argent has to give him some corrections on his sword stances. Mm-hmm. But then uh, Zehir comes over, and as they're as they're talking, Kaladin asks him,
1: "Hey, can you train me to do that move Dalinar did? And what's that move called? It's called the Last Clap, <laughs> <laughs> or as I call it, the Buffy Summers move. Yeah, me." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Zehir's like, "No, I'm not going to teach you that because." It
0: hardly ever works.
1: Yeah, which I'm afraid someone's going to attempt it and it's going to fail, fail now. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> that
0: was me imitating getting cut now with the
1: shard blade. My eyes burning up. Um, <sighs> so after this chapter is over, we get a page out of Shalon's sketchbook, which shows you know some of the shard plate and blade, and there is a sketch of an open helm. Which I'm assuming is Adolin Colin. And underneath there is a little a little um, note no. that just says, sigh. <laughs> I think it's so cute. Yeah.
0: Anyway, um, we see the blades of Gavilar and Elokar, mm-hmm. Firestorm, and Sunraiser. Yeah. And this in the bottom left corner, that's shard Shardblade. Okay. It um, looks like an orc. <laughs> yeah, and it has almost what looks like crystal crystal growths uh, close to the hilt.
1: There you go. Hey, let's go to Flashback Land. Yay, three and a half years ago. We meet what's called a chicken, but I'm assuming it's a parrot. <laughs> Emily, I am delighted
0: to tell you that the foreign countries call any kind of bird a chicken. <laughs> the only time we've heard a bird with the correct etymology is is when Taravangian, in the Shin language, said a hundred doves. Okay. So every single bird is a chicken.
1: <laughs> this parrot is a chicken. The food they eat at dinner is chicken, but it could be like literally any Turkey feathered or bird. whatever, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do a shout out to Green Bean. Those of you who know who Green Bean is, we'll be friends. So. What? I don't know. <laughs> we can't be friends.
0: Hey everyone, I'm so sorry to tell you this. <laughs> Our podcast is over.
1: <laughs> Emily and I are no longer friends. That's it. Pack it up. Go home. We
0: are still sisters, though, so <laughs> it's, it's not called my friend made me <laughs> do it. Uh, so
1: it's oh, Middle Fest, and uh, it's great because the the merchant you know, shows that the the bird can talk. And Shalon is horrified. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? Shalon, you're usually so curious about things. But I thought this was a really great way to show that, uh, how much she's grown by showing her where she used to be. Because she says, avoid bringer, an animal that speaks. You'll bring the eyes of the unmade upon us. And... Flag the phrase, the unmade, because I missed it the first time through the book. (laughs) Remember the unmade. The unmade. Yeah, I I thought that was a fun little ding, you -hmm. know, saying, oh, this is what she used to be, and we're so used to her, like, now going out and, like, spying on people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs)
0: Jackson of none.
1: Jackson of none. Which is a shin name. Oh, Seth's son, Velano. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. It's a Shin bird. <laughs> uh, because
0: remember, Shinovar is far enough to the west that delicate things can grow there, and yes. they're not all crap. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Middlefest Fair
1: is the highlight of Shalon's year, mm-hmm. and she mentioned this fair twice earlier yes, because she thought that. When she sees the camps, she Mm -hmm. thought she's like, I thought my father's land was huge Mm -hmm. and like, yeah. And she mentions
0: someone she meets here. Yes. Uh, Last,
1: when she's meeting Marais,
0: she's like, Hey, this guy reminds me of somebody I met at Middlefest. Mm -hmm.
1: There are a lot of really interesting things that happen in this chapter, like a lot Mm -hmm. of little things that were. I hope I picked up on everything. Oh. I want to talk about something really sad,
0: and it's Shalon's self-image. Okay, I'm going to read this. At 14, she felt horribly gangly and far too boyish in figure. As womanhood had begun to come upon her, she had learned that she should be embarrassed by her red hair and freckled skin, as they were a mark of an impure heritage. They were traditional Vaden colorings, but that was because, in their past, their lines had mixed up with horn eaters up in the peaks. Some people were proud of that coloring, not her father, so neither was Shalon, And this is where I go on a rant about how self-hatred is taught by stupid society beauty standards. And Shalon is gorgeous. And beauty is not the only thing that matters about a person. And you should not be made to feel bad because of how you look. Because of what other people think of how you should look. And... It's sad to see this happen to Shalon at an age where this happens to so many teenagers in our real world. hmm Of every gender. Yep. Boo! <laughs> Rubbish! Muck! <laughs> <rock>, slime! <sighs> anyway, so yeah. She didn't even know she was supposed to be ashamed of
1: it until her father told her that she should be. Which, oh, I hate that. I hate that so much. Because a lot of things that we learn are obviously from other people and if and it's usually because of their like own self-loathing or their mm-hmm. own you know problems that just get passed down to the younger generations and causes extra problems and it's it's just hard
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're finding out some more things about
0: Shalon's father um namely he'd, that he'd scared off her last tutor he'd had Something called a dot, dot, dot episode and had
1: beaten Shallan's stepmother and the tutor had packed her things and left. Yeah. Because proper society, that does not happen in proper society to the point that there's many, many examples in this chapter of how people, like it's an open secret. Yeah. How terrible and awful her father is. And I hate to say, well, then you should just stop your behavior. Because again, he probably learned it from someone else and someone else. Taught him and ingrained that into him, and he never learned how to deal with it. Yeah, and
0: um, or it's it's possible that he's been going downhill since the death of Shalon's mother, just like her brothers have been. Mm-hmm. That when her mom died, it changed all of them. Yeah. Um. Like, and, like, uh. So we met master servants at the palanquim. Yeah, and that was one of the things you loved is like, oh, Shalon knows all like all the hand signals you need to do to interact with a master servant. Father has been trying to hire one, but being a master servant is like very fancy and high ranking, mm-hmm. and they have all refused to come work for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. The dad is experiencing his own consequences that he has created himself.
0: <laughs> if it isn't the consequences of my actions. Uh,
1: how old is Shalon's stepmother? She's, I think they say, not even 10 years older than Shalon. Yeah. So oh. she's 23. 24. Yeah. Who and I wonder if okay cuz I I think the dad had written to someone and I don't know if he asked for her hand or if the guy offered his daughter but it's just a it's just a really terrible position for this woman to be in her name's Mal- malaise
0: yeah, which honestly, that's Malise? probably not her real name. It's yeah, it's probably Malise. And M- yeah, Malaise is an English word that <laughs> yes, means it misery. It's close enough. Yeah, her black hair brightened by a few streaks of blonde. Yeah. Anyway, they're watching a duel. Duel, and as they're talking, father is discussing things with Revelar who I'm pretty sure was the dinner guest uh, from mm-hmm. a few nights ago. And they're trading back and forth,
1: and father is not doing well in no. this trade. And the guy really is taking advantage because he's because he can, because mm-hmm. he has the upper hand. Like, the dad is, oh, it's it's so interesting, because he's in a high position, but he doesn't have the political ecumenity, you know, mm-hmm. to back it up. Everywhere
0: I step, I find only corners, Father whispered. Slowly, they trap me. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and so he ends up sending Shalana away, you know, um, or the the other person asks to send Shalana away, and this is where I'm going to get on a soapbox as well, because she, she sent away, and she's like, well, it's what I wanted, but she feels bad about it, Um, she did feel bad leaving father. He didn't often speak with her, let alone ask for her opinion, but he did seem to be stronger when she was near. Okay. So again, remember how much I was not impressed with Shalon at the beginning of this chapter, the beginning of this book.
0: Do you remember? Can you hear that? Oh, I'm trying to very slowly <laughs> crunch my french fries. So I was waiting for you mic. to
1: acknowledge me. I acknowledge you. Thank you. What did you say? <laughs> I was focused too hard on being quiet with my french fries. Um, so I talked about how uh, he seemed to be stronger when she was near um, and how I didn't like Shalon at the beginning of this book.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So the rest of this chapter is Shalon going from brother to brother to brother to fix things. Yeah. This gives me eldest child energy so hard because sometimes we take it upon ourselves to fix things in the family that don't need, it's not your business to fix. Adults should take care of themselves. Like I had a really interesting conversation with a friend the other day where we were talking, we had found like some table topic Mm -hmm. things and they're like, if you could go back and tell your younger self, something what would you tell them and everyone in the group had kind of been like I would go back and basically tell my younger self not to worry about these adults in your life because they should be the ones taking care of themselves Mm -hmm. like that was across the board there was four of us and we all agreed like uh, we wish our younger selves would have known that you weren't responsible for the way other people felt you weren't responsible for the way other people reacted you weren't responsible for that you were eight years old you Mm -hmm. know and, oh, reading this about Shalon, where she is doing this because she's trying to keep her family together. She's trying to, I think, step into, like, the adult's shoes because no one else is being an adult. and Or they're handling things, you know, in a way that is not healthy. And, man, I could go on and on and on about this. But the idea of trying to fix a situation, that's not a child's responsibility like that is the hill I will die on in that it's not the kid's responsibility and watching Shalon do this whole chapter I was so sad mm-hmm. I was so heartbroken for her because she's kind of thinking like if she can fix it things might go back to the way they were
2: yeah
1: because we find out they're the one thing that she wants is her family to be together again, for her mother to be alive, for everyone to be happy. And she is trying to achieve this dream for herself in a way that it's impossible. Like, I truly think at this point there's their family is too broken to achieve that. But she goes out of her way and does things that she's terrified to do in order to make it work. My esteem for Shalon keeps going up. I apologize to beginning of Words of Radiant Shalon for doubting her. <laughs> sorry, and it's it's more of this multiple sides to every story. You
0: cannot know everything about another person. So she she goes to, to each of her brothers, and it and it wraps with her bringing a letter to Balot from Alita, mm-hmm. and it says in her hand. Sorry, she mentions that the letter seemed to glow.
1: Do you think that's a... I think it is a little bit because we also see Shalon do some light weaving. Uh-huh. Like, even at 14. And I think it happened earlier. I think whatever happened with her mom, like, we'll go... There, there's a scene that she starts remembering a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think that whatever hap- happened, um, she's had this ability, but she doesn't understand it. And we'll talk about that. So, so in book one... Mm-hmm. Um, We go through Kaladin's flashbacks in chronological order, Mm -hmm.
0: like we're doing with Shallan. Yeah. Um, We don't, but we don't see the death of her, I mean, never mind, that is the first one we saw, because red carpet once white, there Mm -hmm. were bodies on the floor, and and Dad was singing the lullaby. And he picks her up, and... And we know at the beginning of book one that her father has recently died. Mm-hmm. And we find out at the end of book one that Shalan has killed him. Mm -hmm. So like how Kaladin's flashbacks built up to the death of Tien. Oh! Shalan's flashbacks are...
1: Listen. Remember how I wouldn't read Tien's death? Mm -hmm. I'll read her dad's death. Okay. No problem. (laughs) Good! (laughs) Um, But uh,
0: as she gets back to father's tent, there's somebody
1: there. She would mentioned there was a world singer at the fair. I think it's wit. Even though he has black hair, he can dye his hair and he can hair. He has black them. hair in these books, He Emily? has white hair! Has wit? No, that's it. <gasps> Sorry, that's a warbreaker. <laughs> He's got white hair and warbreaker. Warbreaker. He
0: has black hair and words of radiance. Got it, got it, got it. So, uh, tall, slender, and blue-eyed, he had deep black hair without a hint of impurity and wore clothing in the same shade. Mm -hmm. And when Shallan steps into the box, he drops his glass. He's startled something about her. So, like, he can probably sense that she's a light weaver.
1: Yeah, I really, I really love these very subtle clues that are, ooh, I just, this book has so much reread potential and I love it. He pours, she sees him pull out a packet, pour it into his cup, Mm -hmm. and
0: drink it. What is it? I... Please don't read for this. Have a theory. Okay. What book series do people drink packets and powders and things?
1: Is it and Mistborn? Shavings? Yeah, I think. Oh, okay. I think he's put metal in his cup. Does he have Mistborn abilities? Oh, we don't know. Well, well he has to repo. be from somewhere. So he has to be. <laughs> he has to be from somewhere. <laughs> you okay. I'm, I'm saying maybe he's from the Mistborn world. I mean, we... Do you know? Nope. I
0: almost <laughs> just said something because I'm like, oh yeah, they told us earlier in the book, but they told us something about a different character. Forget about okay. it. <laughs> he might. He might. He might. I want... Okay. Yeah. But okay. listen, we've seen him on Scadrial. He's
1: in the original Mistborn trilogy as an informant that gets met... A couple times. Yeah, I didn't know about him when I read Mistborn, so I totally missed that. So I'm going to have to go back and reread it. Amazing. (laughs) Do it. His name is Hoyt. Hoyt is mentioned as a beggar
0: informant that Kelsier goes to speak to in the first book. And then Vin is supposed to meet him in, I can't remember if it's the second or third book. But as she's traveling to talk to Hoyt, this informant, she just gets a feeling that Oh man, maybe I shouldn't. And she ends up going off in another direction. So <laughs> he's seen in one book, he's mentioned in another book. Okay. So we know Hoyd has been to all of the other planets so far because we have seen, seen him, him in books. And so does he have the magic from
1: each of those planets? Rifo? Mm-hmm. But he's got something going on. <laughs> um, but he apparently has brought word from Helleran... But Shalon doesn't get to hear it while they're in the box because whatever news this man has brought to Father has greatly upset him, and he then and there basically declares Helloran not dead but dead to them. Yeah, he's disowned, and he he elevates the other the last three brothers. It's what? a
0: non-starter. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Anyway, so she she does she goes to each of the of the brothers and. Wickham, um, so Balot, she got the letter. Uh, and Jushu, brought him out of the, yeah.
1: the axe hound ring. Yep. And
0: Wickham is mean to her. Yeah. Which, like, I forget. It's hard to be a teenage boy mm-hmm. who's got these problems. And uh, she gives him more problems. She <laughs> gives him math problems. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not going to be an Ardent. I'm not going to do that. And she's like, this is just for fun. I know you like it. And so he says, this is stupid. What do you think you'll accomplish? I can't believe you wasted so much time on this. Mm-hmm. And she... Uh, it
1: hurts her feelings.
0: Yeah. Not just Wickham's words, but the way her emotions betrayed her. She couldn't hold them in. And we know Shalons favorite coping mechanism is conceal it, don't feel it, don't yeah. let it
1: show. Yep. So anyway, Hoyd has a question for her. Yeah, he, because he yells out the word axe hound, and this is when I was just like, is this Hoyt because, or wit? you know, because his favorite pastime is saying confusing things and pretending he's clever, which he is clever, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says, I have wondered, the messenger says, if any of you find the term odd, you know what an axe is, but what is a hound? They don't, have, they don't dogs. have dogs. I would hate it there. Even though that's the that's the world I'd want to visit. If I brought Copper, they'd think like he was really cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh this is a fuzz hound. <laughs> he has a very delicate tummy. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that matter, Shalon asked?
0: Because it is a word, the messenger replied. A simple word with a world embedded inside,
1: like a bud waiting to open. Which I think he's talking about her.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: there's a whole world inside of her, which we go back and um she asks where her brother is. I'm gonna tell you a hoyd thing. Okay. No, I'm not gonna tell you.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> Listeners. <laughs> I'm gonna message Ted right now. Okay.
1: No, never my oh, He's so in late in
0: Boston. I'm going to call him and wake him up and say, Ted, this is important. <laughs> hey, so go for I, I would like to just tell you. Okay. There's some magic going on with Hoyt. Okay. That I believe.
1: He is not allowed to physically hurt people. <gasps> Which I think probably comes in handy if he's not supposed to interfere. And I'm sure he's meets with a lot of really stupid people so there's a there's a line he says here
0: mm-hmm. shallan steps backwards no need for that the man said settling onto a rock you needn't fear me i'm terribly ineffective at hurting people i blame my upbringing
2: mm. so so
0: i want you to know Hoyd cannot physically
1: harm living people well then being the king's wit is like his only out <laughs> he can only <laughs> hurt them out <laughs> emotionally he can hurt their spirits (laughs) so it's also dangerous because if he can't I does that mean he can't uh defend himself or he Mm -hmm. just like can't actually hurt people Yep. um so I love this because as he he just like kind of does like about face but he says tell me young one do spread speak to you and then okay this is the part that I was just like okay the next few lines are, The light's going out, life drained from them, Twisted symbols, the eye should not see, Her mother's soul in a box. Um, and, and he starts asking, well, she says, I, She said, No, why would a friend speak to me? No voices, the man said, leaning forward. Do spheres go dark when you are near? And so I'm wondering if there's, like, a way he can tell who's going to be a Radiant before they I mean obviously I'm assuming before they know themselves because he is asking all of the right mm-hmm. questions but he says he says something two blind men waited at the end of an era we've heard we've that. heard that before Shalon mentioned it when she was looking at
0: Marais, that Marais reminded her of the man she'd met at middlefest okay. so long ago and then it said in italics two blind men stood at the end of an era contemplating beauty okay okay um just before we get to that barely before what you said mm-hmm. um she asks if he has like news from news. telerand yeah and uh Hoyd says uh did he tell you to speak to me i'm sorry and it's like he gave me the message and and that was only because i mentioned i would be traveling this direction and then jalan says oh i assumed he'd sent you here i mean that coming to us was your primary purpose turns out Hoyd says that it was So, this I think is confirmation that Witt knows to go places, but he doesn't know why to go places. Okay. So, he. Something's guiding him to story significant things around the Cosmere. Okay. That's why he shows up in all of the books. Okay. But he doesn't know what is story significant when we get there? Mm-hmm. Wit is living person of interest in a fantasy world. I love it. And so I, that's one of the reasons. Why, so, like, he's talking to Shalon's dad, and then Shalon walks in, and he's like, something pings him, and he's like, that's the reason. That's a void-bringer. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then they have a great, ugh have a great conversation mm-hmm. about these two men discussing this you know parable mm-hmm. and they talk about all these different things all these different versions of beauty and again I would like to plug stormpod mm-hmm. when you guys listen to their chapter of this Jack and Sean have such a beautiful discussion about this conversation and that's just I'm all that's all I'm gonna say <laughs> but we're a goofs podcast <laughs> so don't to us for that. <laughs> Can beauty be taken from a
1: man? And so she she asks questions about it. Mm-hmm. Instead of just having an answer. I like that even now we show that she has a scholarly soul. Yeah. So
0: what if all that remained to you was pain? Ah. Uh, and so she asks, Does the pain change day by day? Let's say that it does, the messenger said. Then beauty to that person would be the times when the pain lessens. Why are you telling me this story? The messenger smiled. To be human is to seek beauty, Shalon. Do not despair. Do not end the hunt because thorns grow in your way. And then he says, tell me what's the most beautiful thing you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And she...
1: (laughs) Paints... Yeah. Literally. Well, first she
0: says, a wonderful painting, and he says, lies. <laughs> I love that. Tell me the truth. hmm Who does that sound like? sounds like Pattern. Or does that sound like Pat. Oh. <laughs> it sounds like pattern. Anyway. And she describes, Emily, can you tell me about, don't just
1: read it, but, like, can you describe oh, yeah. to me what she says? It's basically the perfect mm-hmm. day. Mother is alive. Everyone is together. Father is happy. Like... Their interactions are so positive, and people are happy to be there together. Like, she is literally imagining the perfect day with her family as not just, like, a one-time standout occurrence, but that this is the way it would always be. Like, she yearns for peace and family happiness. And I hate that it's out of her reach, Mm -hmm. you know. Until maybe she finds a
0: new one. (laughs) But... He pulls out a handful of spheres while she's doing this. Mm -hmm. And Chillon starts to draw in the Mm stormlight. But then she says, no. Yeah. I see, the messenger said softly. You do not yet understand the nature of lies. I had that trouble myself long ago. The shards here are very strict.
1: Okay, so I have some outside knowledge of, this is shards with a capital S. Uh Uh-huh. All I know is there is a group called the 17th Shard or something. Yes! That's all I know. I just know the name. That's all I know. (laughs) Emily, you are absolutely right. This is not
0: about Shard Blades. (laughs) This is about a completely... Okay. No, no, no. That's not exactly true. (laughs) Shard Blades (laughs) draw their name from this shard that Wit mentions. Okay. They are named... For what he's talking about? Okay. Um, and there are. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna explain this. Okay. There are 16 capital S shards. Okay. And the 17th shard. That's the name of the fan forum because they're like, we're the okay. 17th shard. Got but it. Got it. Hey. I nice.
1: Know that. Thank
0: you. Nice. Thank you. I just want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jack and Sean have nothing on them. <laughs> I know,
0: because because Sean is so good at not spoiling stuff. And I'm like, well, this is interesting. I'll just tell you about Hoyt.
1: <laughs> Sorry, listeners. <gasps> um, but the end of the conversation is basically he's like, keep fighting, keep going. Like, he leaves her with words of, you know, encouragement. And she asks where her brother is. And she's told he's in Alice Carr. She's like, why? And he's like, that's where he feels he is needed. Of course. Wait. Uh, earlier line,
0: what Wit said about Hellran. Um. Your father is slowly destroying your family. The mm-hmm. messenger said. Your brother was right on that count. He was wrong about everything
1: else. Oh. So, what was Hellran wrong about? Maybe leaving. Maybe he would have done the most good at home and not across the continent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rayfo, Rafeo. Listen, I'm pretty and good I... at guessing things. Shallan never even guesses this guy's name. I'm no. oh, sorry, asks this guy's How's name. How is she supposed to know his name is Ho <sighs> Anyway, let's move on to 46, Patriots. Emily, can you read me the epigraph? Yes. When Simon was informed of the arrival of the edge dancers, a concealed consternation and terror, as is common in such cases, fell upon him. Although they were not the most demanding of orders, their graceful, limber movements hid a deadliness that was, by this time, quite renowned. Also, they were the most articulate and refined of the radiance. From Words of Radiance, chapter 20, page 12. Does the phrase "edge dancer" sound familiar to you? No, but I have a question. Okay. Yep do we do we know for sure that Zeth is a windrunner, or is he an edge dancer? Is he is edge dancer and windrunner next to each other? I'm gonna Rayfo. Okay,
0: but is it a
1: sparkly rafo?
0: Yeah, let's say it's a sparkly rafo. Okay. Zeth does
1: have the powers of a ra- windrunner. Okay, okay. Um, it just seems like edge dancers. Like, it says, inform the arrival. It's like, terror. Yeah.
0: Edge Dancer is the name of one of the novellas that we are going to read between this book and the next book. Cool. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, I forgot to have you write down Bondsmith on your- I will do that. So write down Bondsmith. And now- Edge Dancer. Yep, Edge Dancer. Okay. Hey, look at all the radiance you're learning. I love it. So, we're back with Bridge
1: 17- um, turns out Bridge 18 is a problem bridge. Yeah. It's interesting because it's almost like they're too set in their ways to change. Like, they've, they've done all the same things as everyone else, but their, like, cliques were kind of solidified before coming over to Bridge 4. And Kaladin's actually thinking about breaking them up and sticking them in other yeah. platoons or whatever. Dissolving. Yeah. yeah. Which... I think is a, not a bad idea. If mm-hmm. if it's not working, you don't want to have, like, one weak spot, you know?
0: So, uh, Kaladin's going from bridge crew to bridge crew to bridge crew, and Syl's like, everyone's eating dinner. And he's like, good, that's good. And she's like,
1: Kaladin, <laughs> you're not. That's not a
0: status report. Eat your dinner.
1: Uh, yeah. She is noticing more of those red. Oh, okay, here's my red question. Red, she's yeah. noticing them out of the corner of her eyes. That's how other people notice. Their radiant Cryptics. spren is yeah. out of the corner of their eyes. Is it
0: time for a spren
1: of a spren? I don't know. Uh, we meet some more cousins. Oh, the Herdazians, Bridge four! <laughs> Kaladin's like, come on, guys. This isn't even subtle. <laughs> Listen, are we going through this book too fast? I
0: do not remember when Kaladin and Shen spoke earlier in the book. Did we talk about that on the podcast? They didn't.
1: I swear, this is the first time he's spoken. No. Oh, he tells him... Oh, it's at the very, very beginning. Yeah, they tell him, like, he can't carry a spear. A spear. Or can't do anything like he, that. He asks
0: way early in the book, and he's like, so then I'm not bridge four. I'm bridge four slave. That's right. That's right. It's so close to the beginning. Oh, I'm so sorry. Listeners, I'm so sorry. We must not have pinged it on the podcast. But, yeah. but we're pinging it now!
1: <laughs> Bing. Here's Shen. I love you, Shen. Yeah, he... Oh, I love him, and I am hoping that I am correct in loving him, because... Uh, well,
0: you've been pretty prescient so far. I have.
1: Um, Everybody
0: loves Shin.
1: Uh, so... But he tells him, you are not a slave. Yeah. Like, I've gotten permission for you to... And he says, I'm sorry for
0: being frightened before.
1: I think that means a lot. Yeah.
0: Hey, Kaladin. I know it's hard... To break out of the social track that you're set in. So, you're listen, trying. it's a small step forward, but this is great. Um, I've spent my life being judged for my eyes, Shen. I won't do something similar to you
1: because of your skin. Mm-hmm. Shen held the spear with what seemed to be reverence. So? I wonder if Shen, from what we understand, he's transformed into this Parsman. I wonder if like he has a true calling cuz they they can transform. Sorry, the listeners can transform. But the parshmen d- are like different I from the I thought this listeners. was their dull form. They they think it's like dull form. Got it. Okay, yeah. I'm so sorry. I sorry. apologize. No, no, no. Uh parshmen
0: and listeners are different. Um and when they first cuz uh, I think Esh and I mentions that when she first meets she's like, "Oh, they have a bunch of dull form." So, uh and I finds some people who have turned into dull form, and they say they will think we are Parshmen, and they'll just take us
1: as slaves instead of killing us. Got it, got it. So. But yeah, he's he holds the spear with what seemed to be reverence, because I was like, oh, maybe he has a calling. Maybe his calling is similar to Kaladin's. It just has to be unlocked. and Yeah.
0: And we find out that Leighton and Nutton practice in the mornings with a few men, and they're willing to help you learn so you don't have to train with the new recruits. So he could still be with Bridge Four. He's yeah, still gonna be with Bridge Four. Um and I wonder if Renarin's part of morning training. Oh, I would love that. Cause, you know, they don't send him with the green vines, but so you yeah, know, Bridge Four! <laughs> uh speaking of Bridge Four, uh, we got some cousins who've just joined Bridge yes. Four. They know the salute and everything. Uh I also like to point out that Emily's number one enemy, the most detested and hated character in all of the Stormlight Archive, interrupts this nice moment between yes, Kaladin. Yes, he does. Shame on him.
1: Read the room. <laughs> not... Two sides of every story. He doesn't know <laughs> that Shen was about to tell Kaladin something. Ugh. But he... So, uh, it's Moash, Lopin, Pete, and Sigzil, and Rock, and they... Go out drinking! Go out drinking! Oh, uh this really has nothing to do, but Hobber is there. They've like carved him a special stump where he can sit and like help serve. Like he's mm-hmm. still part of Bridge 4. Ah And I would like to bring up, because remember I just re-listened to
0: our whole podcast. Mm-hmm. Hobber was the first man Kaladin saved off the battlefield. Oh I like that. <laughs> so he's been extremely wounded twice, <laughs> and Kaladin's like, I'm not
1: giving up. I on got you. you. But they're taking everyone out. They're they're going out drinking, and they, like, really insist that Kaladin comes. Um, yeah. And Kaladin's like, okay, okay. And so, like, Brandon gets to spend the next few pages, like, really painting this beautiful picture and this beautiful scene of more information about the war camps. And I really like that we're able to take some time to, like, set up the scene. And, again, he can do that because... Again, he's proven himself as a writer. We're not trying to, like, hurry and get through this, you know, story to, like, shove in all the plot. I like that we're also able to, like, take a breather. Like, to, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, this is this is really nice. Like, we find out that, like, the place they go to doesn't have any spheres in it because it would be a little too tempting for, like, drunk patrons to steal. Yeah. And so it's all lit by firelight. Yep. Like, I like that little the little detail.
0: Which, when it gets turned into film, <laughs> uh, it's going to be so much fun to differentiate the lighting in different scenes because we know now that... Uh, you know how when Shalon had a, a ruby sphere and she was drawing, it gives off a red light? Mm-hmm. And so scenes lit by colored spheres will be like colored scenes with a very steady light because storm light doesn't flicker and so there's going to be such a clear difference between scenes set in the light eyes palaces and then scenes lit by torches and fire and i'm looking forward to the cinematography so
1: don't mess this up for me (laughs) (laughs) is it a gradient light then no, actually. Oh. I'm going I'm... to say, okay,
0: remember my little glow cube that I got in my fancy drink? Yes. Okay, guys. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Emily said the exact right phrase to <laughs> unlock my story about how the visible spectrum of light, the more different colors you add to it, the closer it gets to white. Because mm-hmm. so white we have... is all the colors. Yes. So if we have a red, a green, and a blue sphere together, that will give off
1: a white light. But diamonds give off white light by themselves. Diamonds give off white light by themselves.
0: But, um... Hey. Future showrunners of Stormlight...
1: (laughs) That definitely listen to this definitely
0: listen to this podcast. I have so many opinions about the beautiful things you can do with light and color in the Stormlight archives. (laughs) I mean, it's called Stormlight. Okay, so I was at Disneyland with my friends Priscilla and Marie... And,
1: which I'm so excited to meet you. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, we, in the, I think the line for Rise of the Resistance was like an hour. And we spent the whole thing talking about, like, just the kind of visuals that we want. If this is, ever gets made, which hopefully will get made. Ugh, I want to work on it so bad. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, my main inspiration for how the show should look is just going off all the saturated colors on the michael wayland covers Mm. like storm light should bring color with it we shouldn't just have single color gray sky and like plain brown rocks like this should be a world of so much depth and color well
1: it could be so beautiful or it could be so run-of-the-mill every live action fantasy show we've seen well like when shallan discovers like in the last episode where she's like look at all that color and tin's like what are you talking about i'm like yeah yeah i have thoughts i have opinions and i have a dream <laughs> <laughs> uh Kaladin has thoughts and opinions too about chayuta yeah and he's disgusted that other people are eating this and i'm waiting for the scene where he finally tastes it and he goes oh dang it it is really good so <laughs> uh I want to I wanna do a little
0: note on the things he's hearing the town crier talk about. Oh, yes, yes, yes. There's a war in
1: Yaakoved and a new emperor in Aesir. Kaladin only had a vague idea of where that was. I'm you like, know where it is! It's on the map! <laughs> it's on the map. And it just reminded me again that... Of, I don't know why but this part particularly, I was just like, oh yeah, he's not a woman. He wouldn't be able to just go and read the news and mm-hmm. like... A, I love how he goes over and he uh, pays for more information. And that just reminds me of, like, if he's being trained as a world singer, singer, he needs to know information. I mm-hmm. just also love that. These are just such good little, like, blips. A light-eyed courier posting projected
0: high-storm dates and times on a board. Her husband yawning nearby. Again, like, just this little reminder that all of the written work is done by women. Yeah. Ugh. And we've got a lot of uh, info about things. I just I want to see this scene. I want to make this scene. I want to make all these scenes. There's too much. <laughs>
1: I'm but a single person. Uh, anyway, what kind of chowder does Rock order? Uh, he orders ones with shells in it, and it's so crunchy, and my teeth hurt just by reading this scene. Anyway, his um, chow his 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 chowder crunched. <laughs> Uh, so Moash
0: gets to pick tonight's tavern. We're going to the Henri Chol, that's yep. because he has a meeting set up there. But Pete is also really excited about going to the Henri Chol. Why is that? Because it's Sam and
1: Rosie. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> salmon? <laughs> we don't have fish here. No, but no, yeah. Sam and Rosie. He and the bar barmaid, the bar tender lady, have an understanding.
0: Are you excited to find out Rock has a secret wife? Does he? Did Calladin, I miss it? Kaladin hadn't given any thought to it. He should have. He knew that Rock was <gasps> married. The I missed it! The horn eater had already sent letters to his family, though the peaks were so far away, news had not yet returned. Teft had been married, but his wife was dead, as was much of his I family. don't know
1: how I missed that. I knew that. I got that Rock... Had, was sending letters to his family I'm in so much pain from my back it was impossible to read that it just reflects into your <laughs> yes. eyes oh he's secretly married why aren't you more upset about this I'm excited because Rock he's so wonderful he should have someone
0: Brandon you're my you missed a secret
1: wife <laughs> That's so nice Anyway, uh, he wants horn eater lager, and which apparently melts normal. Like, what even are horn eaters? <laughs> their insides must be coated in like adamantium.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, so Pete and his girlfriend Ka
1: lets him do it. Okay, so we get some good information about the horn eater peaks. Yeah, we get like a like a not a legend, but kind of like some of their. Shoot, what's the word I'm looking for? Mythology. Mythology, thank you. And they
0: have, every single peak has a hot lake at the top
1: of it. Mm-hmm. And it keeps all of the peaks warm. And you cannot swim in it if you are not a horn eater. I, it's very Yellowstone to me. Yeah, I have just got to think that Axies is going to try it. <laughs> You know, I, I feel like there's got to be a scene somewhere where he's tried that and they've strung him up, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: everybody read the book.
0: We're not going to go through the whole myth that Rock uh, tells to us. But uh, Rock does say he met.
1: Oh, I think that's wit. I think that was Hoyd. Is it? Am I right, Emily? Yes. I'm just gonna tell you, you're right. Yes. <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you a big thing. Okay. I love it. <laughs> this
0: is this is gonna be the episode where Megan talks too much about Hoyt. This is how Hoyt got to Roshar. Through the springs, through this particular <gasps> spring. Oh. I'm not gonna tell you more than that. Okay. But our horny rock the- saw him uh-huh. the day. That he showed up.
1: <laughs> this is Wit's first day on Roshar. <laughs> and he met Horn. And, and he, he met, met Rock. Rock. That's really, really cool. So how did you how did you know that? Is that a word to Brandon? Is that a- Well, I'm gonna,
0: I'm gonna tell you. What did he look like? Like person. Maybe a Lethe, though skin was lighter. Very angular face. That's a Wit descriptor. Uh-huh. Handsome, perhaps, with white hair. Sigil looked up sharply. sharply. White hair? Yes, Rock said, not gray like old man, but white. Yet he is young man. He spoke with me on shore. Ha, made mockery of my beard. Asked what year it was by Horn Eater Calendar. Thought my name was funny. That's wit. That's his first day on Roshar and he runs into Rock. I love it. Uh, and and the reason why Sigzel recognizes the description, do you remember from the end of book one? He's the student of Wit, yeah. So Sigzil recognizes Wit. Mm -hmm. Now, is it chance, happenstance, that these two bridgemen, who were very separated by destiny, have both met Wit and Calvin's met Wit? Or is it... Moash is not worthy
1: enough to meet
0: Wit. There's still time. Or is it just the the power of the narrative that's leading Wit around meeting these people before their destinies bring them together.
1: I feel it's more the first one. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that Brandon Sanderson would, would do something like the second option. That's my gut feeling. Anyway, so I could be wrong, but I haven't been so far. Kaladin's thinking as he's drinking. The dangerous Kaladin's pastime. thinking about
0: I could bring justice.
1: Oh, oh, that part. Kaladin could bring justice to this world. Like, Kaladin was learning. Oh, just, oh. And I don't know if he's growing morose because he's drunk easily. Like, we, we learn, like, where everyone's different, like, drinking thresholds are. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, like, really going over in his head what it means. Someone needs to put Sadius down. He's as
0: bad as Amaram. Tried to get me and mine killed repeatedly. Don't I have
1: reason, even
0: right, to return the favor?
1: And see, I I think if he goes in with that attitude to say, like, this is for me, even it's, like, for me and these people, I, I think that's still too personal, and I think his powers would disappear if he were to do it that way. Now, if, if he were protecting someone... Mm-hmm. That he was honor bound or had honor promised to protect. I think mm-hmm. then he has a better chance of defeating Sadius with his full powers. So his specific
0: oath he took his his. So the the first the first ideal mm-hmm. is the same for every order of mm-hmm. Radiance. Yeah, and it's uh, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. Mm-hmm. The second ideal is what Kaladin spoke, and it's I will. Protect those who, who can cannot protect, protect themselves.
1: That doesn't really seem to
0: qualify for Sadius or Amaranth because they can protect themselves. They've got shard blades.
1: But he can protect other people from them. Yes. And now, Sadius probably
0: definitely still wants to kill them. Wouldn't <gasps> killing Sadius qualify as protecting people who can't protect themselves from Sadius? So
1: here's where I feel like we get into what's the Tom Cruise movie where Top Gun. That is a Tom Cruise movie. The one where it's minority Report. <laughs> yeah. But I want to say Mission Impossible. <laughs> where they punish people before they have
0: before done the they've crime. done
1: the crime. And like Sadius has done a crime. A crime has been committed. Multiple, many crimes have been committed. And according to you Justice was not seen for those it was crimes. not. But, okay, and again, is Kaladin the one to disperse that justice? Hey, hey, maybe we could call up that dude from the interludes. <laughs> <laughs> say, hey, i
0: like you to weigh in on this. <laughs> uh, but, could you see Kaladin becoming a being
1: like that? Like, like the justice guy? I... Could see him becoming that like if he were to live for centuries I think eventually he might get to that point like if too many bad things happened. Why do you say live for centuries? Because I feel like the the guy that we ran into seemed really old like ageless like he'd been doing this and I feel like Kaladin if he lived for centuries would eventually become like that okay. guy.
0: Uh, I'm gonna sparkly,
1: I'm gonna sparkly okay. I'm going to sparkly ray for that. Okay. Great. I'm so good at this. <laughs> Because, listen, remember how I'm like, I love reading to see, like, people end up in completely different circumstances, you know? And I feel like Kaladin could, he could end up becoming the world's savior or he could end up becoming a problem. And I would read about both of them.
0: As he's thinking about all this, and Moash is taking him into the meeting. Stupid Moash. Hey, guess what? Syl's gone. <gasps> he looks for her. Uh-huh. And he says, uh, he hears her voice. She says, Kaladin, where was she? Vanished, apparently, from even his eyes. Had she done that before? Be
1: careful. Because he is going to a place with no honor. Oh, no. (laughs) And there's a witch there. (laughs) What? Damn, it is not a witch. (laughs) I said she was. Therefore, she is one.
0: Oh, okay, Emily, Emily, I'm going to say something, and it's not a spoiler because it hasn't been confirmed yet in any of the books so far. Okay, I don't know. Is this your theory, then? This is a theory. Okay. You know how the word of the book is bastard? Yes. I think Graves is Gavilar's bastard son.
1: <gasps> I wanted this. I wanted this. I know. It. Yes. So when you were talking about that in <laughs> book one, where you're like, there's so many, and they're the ones trying to kill Alucard. I'm like
0: vibrating in my seat because <laughs> I think Graves is Gavilar's son. Remember, G starts with G. Yeah, G starts with G. <laughs> Gavilar and Graves. So, um... He has jet black Alethi hair styled crisply. He wore an open jacket and an expensive looking black shirt underneath embroidered with white vines running between the buttons and a stock at his throat. Mm-hmm. So this is the famous Kaladin. Anyway, the reason why I think this is Graves' green eyes are pointed out mm-hmm. and
1: um Gavilar had green nice. eyes. Oh see I'd, I'd be I'd be great with that so. Um, okay, so we've got a potential, potential, you know, heir to the throne, which I think makes his reasoning all the more Mm. interesting, where he's like, I'm doing it, because if he is one, but he's like, we need to kill Elokar for the good of, you know, we need to kill, yeah, Elokar for the good of Alokar, Alephi? Alokar, am I saying? It's been a long day. (laughs) And, and the idea that. Oh, but if he was gone, then I could step up, because I have everyone's best interests at heart. That's a very sadiest attitude, and I would.
0: We, attitude. Yeah, I would like to bring something up. Mm-hmm. Two people have pointed out that Shalon would make a great assassin. Being a boyfriend of Adeline Colin. sorry mm-hmm. being a girlfriend to Adeline Colin mm-hmm. would make you a great assassin. Damn it was one of Adolin Collin's girlfriends, mm-hmm. and that's how she got her job in Dalinar's revenue close to the king. It's literally already happened under everyone's nose, and no one has suspected it.
1: Um, did I not say I thought she was bad news? You said you thought she was a witch <laughs> who was reading from a magical book
0: to enchant Dalinar. I don't think that counts. <laughs> it does
1: How dare you? How dare you? How
0: dare I? How
1: dare you? I knew... She was trouble. <laughs> all right. Anyway, um,
0: Graves is listing the things. Okay, but the thing is, is that Graves doesn't want the throne. Who do they want on the throne? They want Dalinar on they the throne. They want Dalinar on the throne. We all want Dalinar on the throne. We're all <laughs> looking for the guy who did this. We all want Dalinar on the throne. <laughs> these are the people behind the saddle strap.
1: Yep. Nope, sorry. Nope. nope, these are the people behind the cracked gemstones. Mm-hmm. And They're the which I found interesting, and the sliced balcony, and it happened exactly like, was it Teft? Yeah. Exactly like Teft was like, well, I would do this. Like, yeah, because Moash is like, I was just in charge of the rope, you know? And so Kaladin is like, hi, um, I can't be a part of this.
0: Uh, But Kaladin's like, I could turn you in. You know, even just inviting me here. I'm the head of the guard. Just bringing me here was a risk. And they're like, we brought you because Moash just like, Moash cannot shut up about how much he likes Kaladin. He talks about him all the time. And then Graves, like we've seen Shallan do, like we've seen Yasmin do, he turns the logic around. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Moash says you were trained as a surgeon. Yes. And what do you do if the hand is festering, threatening the entire body? Do you wait and hope it gets better, or do you act? Yeah. Now. This is literally something Kaladin considered in the first book Mm -hmm. about uh, Rishon as a festering limb or finger, I think he said, that needed to be removed. Mm -hmm. And Liren was faced with the choice to do this and didn't.
1: Kaladin now now has that
0: same... That same choice. And I think Kaladin believes that his father chose Rome. Mm -hmm. So now Kaladin's been given the same choice. Yeah. It's,
1: listen, we have we have stated on this podcast, murder is wrong. You and I firmly believe murder is wrong. Yes, so I believe real-life murder is wrong, but fictional murder is a metaphor. Yes. <laughs> and okay. <laughs> because here's the thing, like, I don't think they're wrong. I think that... Murdering a king and destabilizing everything is not really the answer. Like, do they, here's the thing. Can someone not learn to be a good king? Maybe if they're given the relevant information to do their job, but, I mean, Elokar's in his 30s now. uh, And he's been pretty babied. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying that, oh, he could turn it all around and be amazing. I'm just saying, (sighs) Yasna would have made such a better... Ruler. Yes! Although I agree with you, although she also is very biased. That is true. Like thinking but, about um, all the thinking about all the notes she made on the high princess and Shalons just like actually like if you get to know them, it's very different. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. um although Yasna is like murder is great actually. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe
0: that wouldn't have been a good outcome, but anyway, um... this is
1: just so interesting to me, just because. Listen, yes, they make very good points, but oh, listen, I say I love political intrigue. I love other people doing political intrigue. I am not cut out for it. I am not, not that person. But this was one of my favorite parts of the chapter, just listening to their logic and listening to their, yeah. you know, well, did you think about it this way? Well, what about this? Because they absolutely believe that, I mean, they have, you know, quote unquote proof to back it up. We have Moash's experiences. We have, you know, all of these things that, and we've seen we've seen Carr be stupid. Yes, we have.
0: <laughs> yeah. So he... Uh, you know, he's not showing any signs of changing. He's like, we've hardly seen Elokar in this book. He's not a mover. He's not a shaker. He's not doing anything. We didn't even get to see him really react to losing Yasna. That happened not exactly off screen, mm-hmm. but it, we weren't there for that conversation. We're I'm 600 pages in. And the only thing Elokar has done is been like, Ugh, assassins, they're after me. I always knew it. And it's like, from what Kaladin has seen of Elokar, because all we've seen of Elokar in this book is Kaladin's point of view. Yeah. From what Kaladin has seen, Elokar's not that great. But there's two sides to every story. And and I'm just so gonna... from Dalinar's <laughs> point of view, we also know Elokar's not that great. But maybe there's a third, a secret third thing
1: <laughs> about Elokar. So, yeah, Rafo. Yeah, I'm, can you tell me, do we get any point of view from Elokar in any of the books? I'm going to Rafo. Okay. Um, um, so they're kind of like, so are you going to join? And Kaladin says, I'll consider it. Um, and he like brings Moash out and he's thinking like, I wish their arguments hadn't been so good. Yeah. Like, like they make sense to him. And so Moash is just like, great, you're on our side. This is great. And Kaladin's like, no, I have to think about it. Or I, I have to, you know, figure this out. And and he's like, but you said you'd consider after Kaladin's like, they're traitors. And Kaladin's like, Moash, I said that so they'd let me go. So they went you me. moron. Yeah. <laughs> Moash, No, moron. <laughs> and one thing, I, th- one of the reasons I think Moash is so, I mean, one, these guys are preaching exactly what he wants to hear yeah. but two grieves or graves treats all men same regardless of eye color he doesn't care that we're dark-eyed he married a dark-eyed woman so this guy is apparently flaunting mm-hmm. social niceties in the face of everybody
0: and he has a son that's a one eye. <gasps> that's right Heterochromia's back baby back baby all right, going on my theory. All right. that Graves is Gavilar's son. Okay, I could see Gavilar having affairs with dark-eyed women because the offspring would probably be dark-eyed. And then there's Graves again. I don't have proof of this. This is just what I feel in my heart of hearts.
1: <laughs> I'm, I like this theory. I'm on board with Thank it. You. Come with me. To the Emerald Theory. <laughs> uh last s- chapter.
0: Uh, first I just wanna I wanna leave with the thought that Graves left Kaladin. Mm-hmm. Be the surgeon
1: this kingdom needs. Oh, and he tells Moash, don't talk to those guys anymore. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And Moash, I think, reluctantly agrees. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he Gra- Graves is a dangerous person because he he i think he can read people very well that's just kind of what i'm getting he's saying exactly what Moash wants to hear he says the things that will like directly impact kaladin's heart yeah
0: all right chapter 47
1: feminine wilds. give me that give me that epigraph yet were the orders not disheartened by so great a defeat for the light weavers provided spiritual sustenance they were enticed by those glorious creations to venture on a second assault. From Words of Radiance, chapter 21, page 10. Hey, we know Lightweaver. We do. Because we're actually going to talk about one, and her name is Shallan. Shallan. Um, listen, yep. people, I am on a roll with this one. Yeah, you are. can tell them what I guessed while uh, I was reading this.
0: That Shalon would have a map?
1: No, about
0: the gates. Oh, yeah. Emily's reading this, and she's like... I think, let's see, let me list all of your guesses. You think that they would have to use Fabrials to reach Mm Eurythiru. Mm-hmm. That it would be something like the portal. Yeah. Uh, Like the
1: platforms that Navani was was using. I I didn't mean it like physically they would need a platform to reach Uh Eurythiru, but I was going to say they were going to do something that, like, not defied gravity, but, you know, I said a portal, and then they mention... This something called an oath gate, yeah. Just saying, I was on fire for the, my guesses in this chapter, <laughs> but um, I loved this, and I hate that that's all I'm saying. I love this, I love this, this was great, but it was, it was great because remember when Shalon was preparing to respond to Tin's uh contact, and Pattern was like, Oh, do you not see this pattern like uh-huh. in, in here? He sees the pattern in the Dawn chant that no one knows how to read, and he's able to, like, make some very educated guesses. Yeah. I loved the idea of, like, words are patterns. Language is a pattern. Like, you learn all the rules, and you can extrapolate things. Oh, I just mm-hmm. thought it was so good. Bayardon, you said. Maybe Bejardin,
0: Noah himself. Bejardin? Noah must people have so many names. One is honorific, Shalon said. His original name wasn't considered symmetrical enough. Well, I guess it wasn't really symmetrical at all. So the Ardents gave him a new one centuries ago. But the new one isn't symmetrical either. The H sound can be for any letter, Shalon said absently. <laughs> we write it as the symmetrical letter to make the world balance, but add a diuretical mark to indicate it sounds like an H, so the word is just easier to say. That's one can't just pretend <laughs> that a word is symmetrical when it isn't. That reminds me of you a lot. Where I was like, Coke. And you're like, that's not symmetrical. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love... Listen, the first book... I, I feel like we don't talk about pattern very much. Because what Shalon is doing is just so interesting. Mm-hmm. But I love watching pattern grow and develop as a character the way that Syl did in the first yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway... Uh, so, she's, they're, they're brainstorming and talking about stuff together. They're looking at a bunch of very, very old maps, trying to figure out the location of Urethiru. And as they're talking about, uh, as they're talking about it, Not an ordinary pathway, Eurytheru was the city of searchbinders, of ancient wonders like shard blades.
1: Mmm, Pattern said softly, shard blades are no wonder. That's right! I am so intrigued to find out what is going on with this because we know that we know that still doesn't really approve of them, was happy that Dalinar gave hers up, was happy that Kaladin didn't touch it during the training like I wonder if they are supposed to be something else and this is a corrupted version of them
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah uh so
0: but we She's she's been spending too much time too much time she's gotta get
1: ready for her meeting with adeline uh this reminded me of you a little bit where you just lose track of time because you get so excited about your project that is true uh there's hot running water and she's like i am going to let myself get used to this um turns out pattern
0: watches people in the bath he went and watched Savario bathe, and he's like, "The difference, the anatomical differences." Uh, and she's like, "Stop! I do not want to talk about mine and Savario's anatomical differences." Uh, Please tell me you didn't," Shalon said. "But I just told you that I did. I would not need to do this if you would be more accommodating. I am not doing nude sketches for you." Um.
1: Yeah. So- Where's Lucius
0: when you need him? They <laughs> haven't been sketched. Uh, but anyway, oh, she's thinking about, oh, am I ever going to go home again after life out here is so good? Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: she's thinking about having, bringing her brothers out here to the Shattered Place. Just leaving their old life behind, yeah. or at least putting as much distance between it and them that she can, you mm-hmm. know? I don't know what dangers there's i mean they're still in dangers but yeah just if they can get out that would be great
0: so Shalon is trying to think about how am i gonna look on my date mm-hmm. uh she is thinking about uh light weaving herself to mm-hmm. look nicer
1: yeah and this was my i question I asked during while well, I was reading it and you said stop talk to me about it on the podcast yeah. um she has she does she sketches like way she wants to look or things like that and she uses light weaving at one point you know in the last chapter to change herself I'm wondering if she is going to start a book of disguises where she can just pick one or if it's a one time mm-hmm. use only thing which I don't like if it's a one-time use only thing. Only because, to me, that's so much effort. So much effort to go to the, you know, to sketch and draw and get all the details right. And if it's just, hey, let me pull out my book of disguises and pick one. Like, I think that'd be so cool. Yep. Anyway, we'll
0: see. We'll find out. Um, she does. Uh... Oh, yeah. A uh, moment to notice as she glances out the window that Polona is getting a massage completely bare while Sabariel is reclining in a chair eating sweets mm-hmm. and a woman's uh, reading poetry to them. And she's like, man, what an odd couple. But uh, Gaz and Vatha are her accompaniment mentors, mm-hmm. and she's using one of her slaves as a footman. And here's a moment where Bless your heart, on But she goes to her slave and she's like, Are they treating you well? You let me know if they aren't, right? And so she's thinking, Oh, I did it. I did a good thing. And I'm like, sweetheart. Like, there's a there's a social structure there that like literally prevents him from telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. And he's just gonna say whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, she's learning.
1: She's learning. She's growing. and She's still got a long way to go. Yeah. So she is, she's leaving. They're talking about the different, like how light weaving works, how she's able to do this. And, and she's kind of like questioning, like, you know, just some like details about, about doing this. And she's like, oh, I'm actually quite good at that. Pretty good at this considering how short a time I've been doing it. Short time, Pattern said, but we first dot, dot, dot. She stopped listening until he was done. Ah! Hey, <laughs> Shalon, that sounded interesting. Again, <laughs> I <reckon>! want <laughs> to know what's happening. I want to know what's going on. Emily, what do you think? I think that I don't think Shalon killed her mother, mm-hmm. but I think her mom had something to do with light weaving or or something like that, and Spren. Because we, we talk about uh, a few things she remembers when she's talking with Wit. Um, and I think that she feels she had something to do with it. I mean, I want to learn more about her mother's supposed lover.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? Um, so I my my question, my final thing is, I don't know what happened. I'm intrigued to find out. But I think it had something to do with light weaving and the dad being upset about it, mm-hmm. which is why Shalon tries so hard to either not do it while she's at home or not think about it while she's at home mm-hmm. and her mother's soul in a box. Like, I really want to know what that is. I think her mom is in that, whatever soul it was is in that glowy box thingy that mm-hmm. is behind the painting that she can see.
0: And it's like, Shalon is putting herself in a box mm-hmm. because she asks patterns. She's like, why do I need to draw? Like it's, I'm just using a single pencil The drawing doesn't even have color. And Pattern says, it shouldn't matter, but it matters to you. I do not know why. Mm -hmm. It's a frame within a frame. (laughs) (laughs) But she finally decides uh, not to change herself with Stormlight for her Mm -hmm. date with Adolin. Yeah. And she realizes capturing his attention with illusions... She can't keep it up forever. Mm-hmm. She'd have to rely instead upon her feminine wiles. She wished she knew
1: if she had any. I love that because she's got to go and like woo him. Yeah, and and the the funny thing is, is her just being herself is enough. But she doesn't realize that. You know, the idea of her just like, oh, Adeline, you're here too. Okay, cool, whatever. I'm here to do something that is interests me. And mm-hmm. you don't matter at all right now. Like it's just funny that like exactly who she is is what is attracting Adolin to her or her to Adolin.
0: Yep. Well, that is the end of this week's reading. And we're coming into Prophecy Corner. Okay. Uh what's up with the people who want to kill the king?
1: Uh, well, I liked your I like your theory. I like your theory that it's a it's an illegitimate heir and um maybe he really does love Alice Carr. Maybe it's not about him getting on the throne. Maybe he's really like, listen, I have a duty, and even if the crown doesn't recognize me as a legit power, I still have a duty to take care of this country. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna say again, Graves' parentage
0: is not mentioned mm-hmm. so far, so it's not story important. Okay, it's just my just heart saying important. if that is yeah.
1: the, if that's correct, then that's gonna be fun. Yeah. Um I, are they ghost bloods? are they ghost bloods because the ghost bloods seem to want yasnus colon specifically well, I guess they seem to be more connected to uritheru, so maybe they're not ghost bloods
0: yeah the 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 ghost bloods that we've seen no qualms or half measures when it comes to assassination, yeah and they don't seem to be interested in the politics. Yeah. Because, like, killing Yasna Kolin, that's a political
1: upheaval. Mm-hmm. And, nope. There uh, are no Taravangian.
0: Yep.
1: Is Moesh going to listen to Kaladin? I want to say for now, yes. He swore on his grandparents' honor. I want to say yes. Um. But I don't think he's going to let this go. I don't think he's going to keep trying to kill the king. Mm-hmm. For now. But... If he's grown up the last, what, what five years with this yeah. on his mind, it's not just gonna be seven. like seven. It's not gonna be like, okay, overnight I'm done. Okay, yeah, sure, Kelly,
0: I care about you more than I hate Ella Carp. Yeah. Uh, yep. Um, let's, oh my gosh, Emily, what? I'm gonna tell you right now. Okay. You are gonna be so excited. Next week's reading. Uh huh. Is Adeline and Chalon's first date? Yes, you are gonna love it. Okay. I'm just, I f- you not. <laughs> <laughs> you will enjoy this. Good. Um, but let's talk about our
2: heralds.
0: Um, so chapter forty-eight. No more weakness. Wait, don't we want to start at forty-four? Yep. no. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at next week. It's
1: In my defense. N- Naylin. Yep. It's Naylin and Chenchan. Ch- no. Yes. Oh, okay. Right. Chach has the helmet.
0: Uh so uh and then Naylon, justice. I mean the chapter's
1: called One, One Form, Form of Justice. justice. What's Chichenrach again? Sorry, I'm gonna learn this.
0: It's alright. So, Chichenrach, brave and obedient. That's, uh. Calvin's trying to be brave and obedient, but mm-hmm. not really. And, uh. we are kind of being the opposite of brave and obedient, talking with Moash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Moash is like literally trying to kill the king they've been hired to
1: guard, so. Yeah.
0: That's
1: gonna be a problem. All right, now let's talk about Middle Fast. So we've got The Placeholder, which the placeholder. is wit. Yeah, he's literally here. <laughs> and
0: then Vedeledev, which is about loving and healing, which is what Shalon's
1: trying to do for her
0: family. Yeah.
1: Then 46, Patriots. That's Naylin again. Yep. And, ooh, it's been a while since we've seen this dude. Soldier Boy. Soldier boy. Suit suited. S t tendalin. T- <laughs>
0: Ten ding dong. <laughs> it's it's telenolad. Yep. Um who I know that he's the soldier, but like his actual uh things that he represents mm-hmm. is being dependable and resourceful. Okay. Which uh, Moash is not being very dependable right now, but this group of patriots are quite resourceful. Mm-hmm. I think they're hoping to get Kaladin as another resource. And yeah. then uh, Nail is back again for justice. <laughs> Ugh, one form of justice. And Kaladin's thinking about justice. And is this justice? And <sighs> All right, chapter 47. Feminine
1: Wiles. So Shalash, I know for sure... And we just talked about... Is this Belen? Pa- Pala. Pala. Palia, uh,
0: And that's about being learned and giving. And so we've got Shalash, I think, for Shalon's light-weaving practice, because mm-hmm. Shalash is the light-weaver's patron. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Paliya is... I don't know, being learned. Shallan's learning more, and she's studying maps and stuff. Yeah. So There we go. So... That was a long reading. I'm so sorry. Next week's reading is much shorter. Oh, uh, the song of the week is that song from Les Mis when all the students are talking about their glorious revolution. Uh, When all the boys are in the bar.
1: Red, the blood of angry yes! men? Okay. Someone, sorry, red and black is going to be the song of the week. Got it, got it's it. It's
0: turning into a show tune list, everybody. Here you go. This is what we're the, here this for. This is one, in honor of our boys going to the tavern, and two, Moash and his little band of revolutionaries. Got it. Although they're not his band. Moash is not the leader on this. No. Moash is the piece being used. Yeah.
1: He's chess, he's a, a resource. Chess
0: he's fun. Oh, yeah. The way that he's connected to these people is someone who had been a mercenary on a caravan Moash had worked before becoming a bridgeman when they all got freed, that mercenary found Moash. And I think it's because Graves was just searching for a way in. Like Mm -hmm. Moash is so excited about this and so happy about this. I feel that Graves has sold him a very fancy bill of goods. Yes. Yes.
1: Listen though, Moash is being stupid. Moash is being stupid. I, I know. Compels me though. <laughs> All right, what chapters are we doing now? We are doing
0: chapter forty-eight, no more weakness. Chapter forty-nine, watching the world transform. Chapter fifty, uncut gems, and very tiny. Chapter fifty-one,
1: heirs. alright I gotta
0: <sighs> get back to packing. I gotta no, get go-
1: cleaning. Yeah, you gotta get back to so much stuff. I gotta get back to
0: resting your back. Yes. So I've gotta get to packing and you've gotta get to backing.
1: <laughs> I believe in you. I believe in you. Ready. Ready. Break, break.
0: Oh, that wasn't a- Funny episode. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It covering the words of Radiance. Catch us a week from now, Thursday, February 9th, talking about Roswell. Uh you guys, I'll make the admittance here. Roswell's finally picking up and getting interesting. Like I had Emily, I'm like, we have to watch the next episode after we record this. I have to know what happens next. So jump in on that uh, special thanks to michael Cardi for the use of his song a passing storm in our intro and outro michael we really really appreciate you and everybody loves this song right listeners everybody loves this song it's a good one i don't have any more podcast business except to once again thank our wonderful viewers we love and appreciate you